Good morning. Good morning, family. I say family, and, and I do mean family. Um, often, we might sit here this morning, and I call you family, and we might say, but I don't know you. But I want to believe that the reason why we're here this morning is we know Jesus. We all want to be more like Him. And that makes us family. And so, welcome, family. It's good to be with you this morning. I was away for two weeks. It's, 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 it's great to arrive here this morning, and I've been welcoming back. Welcome back, Skok. I thought you were backslidden. The answer is no. <laughs> um, it, was, it was overwhelming for me on Friday morning when we met for prayer, a few men. And I also want to in, in extend the invitation to all men. Friday mornings we pray from 6 to 7. And there was a sense of just unity or God. I don't know what to, 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 to put a label on it, but that was family. Where we prayed for the church, we prayed for people. Um, so men, we are called to, to, to pray together. We pray, we, we're called to do things together in this life. We need to lead our homes again. So men, I invite you for Friday mornings to pray with us. Um, a month back, Richard posted a request on our group to say, guys, I want to take the first week in May off. And anyone willing to, to take my, my role and preach? And I was like, I was driving, I was like, thumbs up. And as I did it, I was like, no, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I was deleting it. And I said, I deleted this. Delete for everyone. Delete. Post. Great. I'm off the hook. So after that, Richard posted, Skulk, I saw that. I'm like, shucks. <laughs> so I'm in this. Um, I want to just honor Richard for, for just the, the way he leads. Always pointing to Jesus. And I want to just be vulnerable this morning to say that there was times where I had some frustrations. Like, why don't we do church like this and this? Like, no, God placed me for a reason today under the leadership of Richard. And for any one of you this morning that might be frustrated with the way we do church or the way church where you, wherever you visit in the past, God has got a reason for putting you in a place. And we didn't always understand that. But just submit your leadership. I'm one of the leaders in church. I'm not saying listen to me always. Look at what I do and challenge me when I go wrong. I need your accountability in my life as well. I also want to this morning before I start with my word is I want to call on the prophetic people. We should not be asleep. We need the prophets in the house to rise and to speak. This morning... While worshipping, I was reminded of the first day walking into a church after many years of just not walking with God, where a gentleman behind me knocked my, sort of tapped my shoulder to skulk, join my community this Wednesday. I was like, I don't even know you, and I have to come to your community. Um, so I was like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll like always say, just say yes, let's go for it. And I went to his um, community, and that night prophesied and said, Skull, 
There'll be a time when you preach. Like, where did you get this word from? And many, so that's 2007. And in 2011, 12, after the recession and our business went through really tough times, I was doing a viewing at a property, a very, very expensive property, and a lady well-known in the country walked out with me on the stoop, the veranda, and overlooking this beautiful view. I was quite intimidated, quite nervous, because I needed the sale. It was a good commission. Um, and she just came to me to skulk while her husband was walking through the, the ensuite. The skulk, you're going to preach someday. I was like, Angelique, where, where do you come from? And today, I'm not a full-time preacher, but I'm preaching. And I'm confident now, and it's like, someone, someone prophesied this long way back. And what do we do sometimes with our prophecies? Do we sit on that? Or do we do so to make something and actually go into action and say, God, use me. I now trust you. I don't look at the world or my abilities, but I trust you to work through me. So this morning, as, as I share with you, I do not rely on my own strength, my own abilities. But I know God's word is powerful. God's word can change people. It changed my heart from being a hardened heart, a prideful heart, to a heart that says, God, I just want you in my life. I want more of you. So whatever I do, may that be glorifying your name. Now, I want to encourage you this morning. This church, like Brian said this morning, is not our church. We are the church. To have authentic Christianity, we as people need to more say, God, I need you more in my life. So, on my journey preparing for this, for this message, I was preparing how God called us to persevere in times like this because I think the world is going through stupid stuff and challenges. And that was part of my soul. I was ready to prepare to, to, to deliver something on that. And then God took me away to, 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 to a message where the danger of isolation in times like this, where we withdraw and think we can do it on our own. And again, I was moved away, not convicted that this is the right message. And then I came across the book of Esther. Now, as a leader in your church, I'll be vulnerable this morning, I've never read the book of Esther. But until a month ago. What an amazing book. What an amazing book. So for some of you this morning, I might be sharing stuff that you already know. But I thought Esther. Wow. God is calling Esthers in 2022. So, the book of Esther, she was also called Hadassah. And she was an orphan. Her uncle decided to adopt her called Mordecai. And she became the queen of King Ahasuerus. Also, Xerxes is the, is the other, the, the Greek or the Hebrew, I'm not sure what the name it is. She was an orphan. Now, the journey of Esther being an orphan, where 
I can just imagine if I have to lose my parents today even, it would be a sad day for me to lose my parents. But if my daughter today, <laughs> I don't know what you will feel like if you lose daddy. But it must have been a tragedy for her. But how that possibly also anxiety of what's going to happen to me. My uncle, yes, he's a friend, he's his family, but it's not the same, it's not my parents. And how that anxiety actually flowed into an opportunity. And eventually, she was called to be brave and to do something very bold. So Esther changed the world, according to what I read in Esther. She saved the lives of 15 million Jews. Unlike what happened with Hitler when he killed 6 million Jews. Unlike what's happening today in Ukraine where people are dying. So it was one lady, one young lady that God used and a nation was changed forever. And there's many people like that. I want to give you a few examples. One statesman who stands up and an entire country is changed. I think of our friend, our President Mandela. One citizen that steps up forward and a community is different afterwards, Mother Teresa who devoted her life to serving the poor and destitute around the world. A student, a 10-year-old girl, Molly Steer, we all know recently, stood up and said, enough of plastic straws. Today we we have less plastic straws. But she was so convicted and passionate about the ocean that she says, enough plastic straws. Today, there's less plastic straws. And I also today, coincidentally, International Workers' Day. People had enough of working stupid hours. And they said, we want to work eight hours a day. And not whatever hours they work. And today, we have eight-hour working days. How much more? What do, we, what do we have as Christians say, Jesus. We need Jesus. We are a small community. We we live in a town of probably 200,000 people, but inside this room, there's someone, could be me today, that can change this, this town for Jesus. Only one person. And I think sometimes we're too comfortable in what we have. So, let's look at, at Esther's journey. And be inspired by what she did. Encouraged. My, my natural default is I'm an encourager. I'm a servant. And again, I'm going to say this morning that everyone in this room has got a gift. And Brian said it so well, the body must function together. We all heard this before. And I'm so encouraged by seeing the old and the younger this morning. I'm I'm really encouraged by the older that's here this morning. I want to call again and say, gentlemen and gentle ladies, you are part of the body, you're part of the family, and we value you. 
Youngsters. Where's the youngsters? Look up to the, <laughs> look up to the greys. They're there to help you. They're wise people. Good, so, so Esther. Esther, queen of King Azarus. He was king over 127 provinces, which stretched from Ethiopia all the way to India. 55 million square kilometers. That was the size of his kingdom, or his empire. 44% of the world population at that time was under his rulership. 44%. Now, this king was in rulership for probably three years, first three years, and he decided, let's have a party. Now, I think we can learn from this king. The party was 180 days long. 180 days. Ivan, my brother had a two-day wedding, that was quite long. But 180 days... And why did he do this? To portray his wealth, his power, his influence. And it could be in a way also to buy people's vote or confidence. I give you, you vote for me. Because to live in a palace like he did, and having all these soldiers and officials protecting his life, it must have been sometimes a thought of, what if I lose this tomorrow? My strength is not in my Lord, but it's in my stuff. My king, or my, my castle, my people, the woman that I have. And the party continued to save 180 days. And after the 180 days, he decided, let's have another party for seven days. This time, it's for the people inside my, my immediate town. Uh, the town was called um, Susu, Su, Sushan. Um, and there he was just thanking them for, for, for what they did. And just once again, I think, to buy his, 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 his influence. Now, if I look at this party... It was him without the woman. So it was not families together. It was men having this party. Queen Fasti, his wife, had a banquet for the woman. Now after the seven-day party where he thanked all his people of his local town, the seventh day, now he did say to his, to his officials, make sure there's plenty to drink. They must enjoy themselves. Do not withhold give. They must enjoy themselves. They must choose for themselves how much they want. Day seven came and King Ahasuerus said, I need, I want my wife to parade in front of all the men that he was partying with. Now, I can imagine he was under the influence and Queen Fasti said, no, I'm not doing this. Now, Queen Fasti with other women Sharing with this, sharing this king, I'm sure that she was at a place where, like, I'm just not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be a woman not being respected. 
And she said no. The king, Ahasuerus, was angry. He was furious. How can the queen deny my request not to walk or to parade in front of us? And queen, king, king Ahasuerus consulted his officials and asked, what should we do about this? And the advisors or the officials advised him, we cannot allow this. If we allow this to happen, all the other kings in the country, it will happen to the same to them because their wives will do the same. It will cause a lot of uproot in our country. Now, on, on, on this, if I just read this, men, we have to love our wives as God loves His church. There's a scripture that says, women submit to your, your husband. Well, submit to your husband. But that submission must be out of a place of, I want to submit to your leadership. I want to submit to you because I respect you and I love you. Let us as men never demand submission and not earn the respect from our wives and speak to our wives and deal with our wives in respect and love the way God has asked us to do. I think the world where these guys were, these kings, had it completely wrong. Where they were entitled and they thought they can just have it all. We read in the word, their lives were destructive. They did not see, they did not finish strong. They all died. So, the officials advised um, the king to find a new um, harem which is in these palaces, there was many women which they could choose from. And so the officials went around all the provinces and they found beautiful women and they came across Esther. Esther, a Jew, not Persian. She was also one of the ladies now that was so-called possibly the new king for King Azarus. And she was quite nervous about this. It took her 12 months, or according to the word, 12 months before she was presented to King Azarus. And I want to read a scripture, Esther 2, verse 12 to 13. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments. Six months with oil of mirror, followed by six months of special perfumes and ointments. And when the time came for her to go to the king, she was given a choice of what, whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to enhance her beauty. Esther, in that time, and I want to come back to where we are in our life today, sometimes we're in a place where we're not exactly sure what God is doing, and the next move God's going to make, to, 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 to make, or when we have to take the next move. And I want to just encourage us this morning that sometimes there's a delay, it's long for us, but in trusting God and knowing that God is in control, not us, we have to be patient, knowing that ultimately God's will will prevail. This is a long time for a woman 
to be possibly elected as the queen of the king. But she was patient, and she had the favor, and she became the queen of King Hazarus. Now, Esther was told by Mordecai, her uncle, not to disclose that she's a Jew, and not to disclose to anyone nationality and the family background. So Mordecai was the uncle that were raising her and teaching her the ways that I believe is of, of the Lord. Um, Esther 2 verse 15. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of Harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested. And she was admired by everyone who saw her. I think sometimes, if I look at Esther, she was willing to ask for advice. I think often, because we're not surrounded with people in our lives, brothers and sisters, in our Christian walk, we don't ask for advice. And we do stupid things. I think what we learn here is she spent 12 months, the eunuch, um, Haggai, she built a relationship with this man, and he helped her. There was favor there, and also favor she enjoyed in front of King Azareth. We have to sometimes acknowledge that we are not strong enough to make a big decision. And I think I speak to many here this morning. Men, we should not be proud to say, I'm weak. Please pray for me. I need to make a big business decision. I need to make a, possibly a career move. As, as men, let's have the heart of, it's safer for me to make sure I'm aligned with God's will and by seeking counsel of brothers, not thinking I can do it on my own. So Esther, teaching us men a lesson there with regards to asking advice. So Esther is now being, being made queen, and King Azarus, on the journey, appointed second in command a guy called Haman, evil guy, demonic, I want to say. And he was very annoyed with Mordecai because Mordecai refused to bend down in front of Haman. Even though the king who appointed Haman as second in charge commanded everyone to say, when you meet with or when, when Haman walked past you, you should bow. Mordecai said, no, I'm not bowing before you. Now that was... That was something that Haman did not like. And he was, he was, even though he had all the favor with the king, that guy called Mordecai is not in my camp. And that is actually causing distress and frustration for me. And, I'll go to the scripture. The, Haman spoke to King Azarus. And said to the king, there's a gentleman called Mordecai and he's not bound before me. And I think 
it's not good for your empire to have people that's not following your rules. We should kill the Jewish nation or the Jewish people in your empire, which is about 15 million people. King Azarus, friend, you can do that. You're second in charge. Haman promised King Azarus that he will give 10,000 um, coins or whatever it was to, to, the, to the empire. The king said, I have enough. You can take that. You can do whatever you want to with the people. So that was a decree made. And messages went around to say, on this date, the Jews will be killed. Now, you can imagine a message like that going out, kill the Jews. How much, how much distraught, just the distress, the troublesome, how people were just in what's going on. But if I read this, people today, it's happening in our world where a person, somewhere in the world can say, kill that nation, I want that land. And again, we, we're in a, in a time where we can make a difference. We, one of us, we just need one person to stand up and say it's enough and it could come to an end. And I really pray this morning that God increase my faith that when I pray, I also have the faith that with my prayer, some, you might give me an open door or someone walk across my road where I can be influenced to help that turn. Or, Are we going to say that is life? We just have to accept it. As people, we call to pray against anything that's not from God. And we know this is not from God. I'm going to read for you Esther 4 from 11 to 17. The whole world knows that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court, without being invited, is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. Now the reason why we read this this morning is Mordecai encouraged Esther to go to the king and plead to him not to kill the Jews. Esther hasn't seen King Hazarus for 30 days. Not sure whether she, maybe her breath wasn't that fresh the day when she met her last time, or she was ugly, whatever it might be, or she found someone else that he had a better liking in. And for her to go to the king, she possibly risk, she's risking her life. Next scripture, verse 12. 13. Mordecai sent back this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that you will escape there in the palace when all other Jews are killed. Verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. What's more, who can say but that you have been elevated to the place for just such a time as this. From orphan to queen to comfort possibly to say, no, that is not right. 
I have to stand up for my people and say, please save them, risking her life. If we read Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12, can you imagine Mordecai and Esther knowing this scripture in that time? They didn't add the scripture, but this is what God gives us in, in today's time. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. They didn't add the scripture, but they were doing something which they had a lot of opposition uh, at, at, at that time. Now, what Mordecai did was pleading with Esther, Esther, this is your time, this is your moment, this is what you were called for. And she'd send them back and say, a message, a message back to Mordecai saying, okay, I will do this. Before I do this, will you go in your, with your people and fast for three days? Now, in those days, prayer and fasting went together. And she said to them, I will also pray and fast for three days, and then I will go to the king. If I look at this, if I read this, I see that Esther is not relying on her own strength to think, I cannot just go and convince the king of saving the Jews. That to me shows how we are, need to be so dependent on God in everything that we do. It was three days. You fast and pray for three days. The Bible only referred to fasting. If we read the Old Testament, fasting went with praying. Praying. And if I look at the verse 13 and 14 of, um, of Esther 4, is the position that Esther had did not guarantee her protection. And sometimes, if we've arrived at a place of potentially in the world's eyes of success, that is not a safe place. The world cannot give us safety. Only God can give us safety. Also, if I read those two scriptures, verse 13 and 14, I read that our silence won't prevent our de deliver deliverance. God made a promise to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob for the Jews to be in that land that God would preserve and protect these people for eternal purpose. So, knowing that God's promises are true. Now, if we go back earlier in this, in, in this chapter, many of the Jews were in, in the, under the empire of Persia because they were possibly not obedient to, go, to have moved back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 29 verse 10, which reads, The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. That is where the Jews were supposed to go back after these 70 years to go back to Jerusalem. 
15, mil- 15 million of them stayed behind under the rulership of King Ahasuerus. We do see some disobedience there to some of the people. Some couldn't move because of age, the risk, the cost, and all those things. But just look at God's grace and what plan He's working behind the scenes to even save these Jews under the rulership of King Ahasuerus. That to me is just so encouraging to say that sometimes we're disobedient. Sometimes we're not following the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we rely on our own strength. And God is still, I love my people. I love my people. And the third thing is, your prominence is God's providence. In Esther's case, she became queen, not to be pampered and to be this lady of beauty, but to save a nation. So to go out of a comfort zone of just having everything you need, to say, my life is in danger for my people. Living a legacy, not li- living a self, a self-enriched life. I'm going to go to Esther two, 5, verse 2 to 5. When he saw Queen Esther, this is Haman, standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her, holding out the gold scepter to her. There was favor from God where he, he was happy to see Esther again, even though he did not request to see Esther. So Esther approached and touched its tip. And the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. What Esther doesn't know is, or Esther does do know is, right before this, Haman asked King Azarus to kill the Jew. So, going in here, asking, what is your request? Esther had a, had a plan here, and I do believe there was a plan of God, to ask, can I have a banquet with you and Haman? So, she had this, ba- so this banquet happened the following evening. That night, King Hazarus had a bad night. He probably called it insomnia today where he couldn't sleep. He asked one of the officials, please read to me the scrolls or the chronicles of my rulership. Coincidence? I don't believe in coincidence. I do believe there's a reason why everything happens in our life. The official read where Mordecai saved the life of the king because he exposed two of the doorkeepers that they were plotting to kill Hazarus. Now, Esther's asking, Esther's received the, the, the invitation from the king, whatever you wish. What does she want? I want, I want a banquet with, with you and Haman. That night, king had the dream and asked, and was reminded of Mordecai, and he also rem- remembered that he never rewarded Mordecai for saving his life. This so excites me. It's like, just look at how God's working this perfect plan. The next day, Haman came to the king. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Esther disclosed to, to ask um, the king, please save my people. And the king, sorry, I'm not getting my story right, sorry. 
Haman wanted to kill the Jews. Esther had a request, had a wish. And Esther said, please save my people. Don't kill them. Even if you make them slaves, but please don't kill them. Haman was busy exposing Mordecai, how he refused to, to bow before him and want to kill him and the whole nation. Esther in form, so because of Mordecai's action many, many months back or years back, he enjoyed a wish granted to Esther and she's asking for the lives of the Jews. Haman was then hanged on a pole that he was going to hang, hang Mordecai on. Haman thought that he had favor with the king. But after meeting with Esther, things turned completely around. And God granted Esther the wish, killed Haman with the same pole he planted to kill Mordecai on. And Mordecai was promoted to be second in charge. This happened, and people were fearful of what power the Jews had, and many became Jews because of that. How exciting is that? Where, now, if I say exciting, I can just imagine going to that, where you are, are so on your knees, praying in faith for God, your way needs to come through now. And how often are we in circumstances where we maybe give up too early or not trusting until the very end for God to perform the work that He has planned to do. If I read Job 42.1.2, the story reminds us of Job where he said to the Lord, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I know today that God is always at work. And my life the last 10 years has been, there's been many ups and downs. And I'm so grateful that I've had people in my life, fellow brothers, Christians, that could help me in towns where it was not easy. And all they did was to remind me what the Word says, what the truth is. And without that today, I will not be able to stand here and to encourage you with Scripture that I've read for the first time a month ago, how God is in control. Now, there's, there's two significant days in our life, like we all know. The day when you were born, and the day when you discover why you were born. And it was in 2007 or 2008, 2007, when I discovered why I was born. I, up to that date, lived a very selfish life. My youngest brother helped me expose stuff that turned me to, to God and say, God, I need you in my life. And from then, it has been an amazing journey, learning more about His ways, not my ways. But often, I've asked God, why this, why this, why this? Today, I do not ask the question why, 
I tried to respond by saying, but my God. But with my God, nothing is impossible. But because of my God, I can do all things. Not in my strength, but His strength, strength inside of me. And I want us to, to encourage you this morning to say, we should be like Jesus. Where He came down to earth to be a slave, to be nothing, to confront sin head to head, helping us, saving us from eternal death. If we look at our life, let's stop spending our life and let's invest our life in the eternal things. If we look at eternity, what do you do today, what do I do today to bring someone else closer to God? To help someone else that might be close to giving up to say, but God. And I think Esther was like a Paul in the New Testament where if we read Philippians 1 verse 20, For I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me to shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past, and that my life will always honor Christ, whether I live or whether I die. Can you guys remember about six months ago, I think it was, when Wilma Ray stood in the front, he actually was sitting at the playhouse on the chair. He passed away since then, but his words were, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. He, he, he understood something about what it is to live for eternity. And today, my wish for myself is that every morning that I wake up, for me to wake up to be so passionate, so convicted about what I have as a gift, a free gift, to do something that will last forever. Leave a drop of eternity in someone else's life. So whether you are a doorman, receptionist, accountant, whether you're a mom looking after your children, whether you're semi-retired or retired, God wants to use you. He wants to use every one of us. He wants us to move away from a place where we look at our circumstances. Let not our circumstances define us, but let us be defined by how we respond to what happened to us, by saying, but my God. I want to leave you with that this morning. And... The last scripture I want to read today is Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Arise, Somerset West. Let your light shine for all the nations to see, for the glory of the Lord is shining upon you. Darkness as black as night will cover all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord will shine over you. All nations will come to your light, Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Let us be a church that shine. Let's arise and shine for Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can save a nation. 
Let's be that one person that say enough is enough and not be silent. Um, can you give me that scripture please? Um, Ephesians 5, um, Irina. Ephesians 5 verse 11, I think it was. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It's our responsibility, wherever you are in your walk of life, not to agree with darkness, but like an Esther, to say, no, that's wrong. If we're quiet, we agree with what's going on. Let's be a nation that arise and shine for the glory of God on our lives. Thank you.